Judith Holder, your host, coach psychologist, fellow seeker. He enjoys diving into the connections between spirituality, psychology, wellness, and your everyday life's adventures. All preparing and polishing you like the fastest of magnificent diamond to be your best self. If you're craving more from your life, you are in the right place. Come, let's journey together and transforming what you know into who you really are. Mastering Life's Adventures begins now. Hi, I'm back. I'm here to talk with Alistair Henry, my guest. We're here to focus on keeping an open mind and saying yes. Hmm, sounds interesting, huh? Just think about it. Keep an open mind and saying yes. I would like um, Alistair to introduce himself and tell a little bit about himself, and then we're going to jump right into this topic area. Thank you. Yes, I'm a retiree. I'm an author. I'm an adventurist, and I'm a double lung transplant recipient. Quite a hodgepodge of uh, titles. Yes, all of your experiences that you've had probably ties into your mindset to begin with about keeping an open mind, saying yes. Tell us more about that and where that came from and how you've evolved into who you are today. Yeah. Well, one thing I believe, Judith, is we're a product of our uh, upbringing and environment and everything. I was born in, uh, well, I grew up in Bolton, Lancashire, England. I left school at 16. University was never an option. And at 17, I bumped into some friends from school who had a rock and roll band. They were looking for a bass guitarist. And uh, that I jumped at that, so... The next day, I went down to the music shop, bought myself a bass guitar. I was playing bass for Paul Venture and the Rebel Beats. This was 1962. In that part of Britain, where all the British rock and roll was coming out. So it's a very exciting time. And when I was uh, 18, I had a girlfriend. I fell in love with this 17-year-old, madly in love. And then when she told me that she was going to Canada because their parents were emigrating. Wow, what a decision to make. Funny how we reflect back. But at the time, uh, I didn't see it as a big decision. I thought, well, no, I have to go. And uh, I don't know how I went home and told my parents and my siblings, I'm leaving you all, and I may not see you for a long time. But I did. I mean, today, I think I'd have too much compassion and empathy to, to do that. But I didn't. I was so madly in love. I think, you know, that was the part of the first conditioning in saying yes. Uh, yeah, but it's also your heart. Your heart I, was kind of tapped in on you know, yeah. some ways that gave you that kind of inspiration or desire to say, I'm doing this. Yes, I also had a happy family. It wasn't like my family were um, dysfunctional and life mm -hmm. was hell. It mm -hmm. wasn't, but I had to make a decision. And uh, I think also maybe the adventure of going to Canada. So I went, got a passport, and four months later, I showed up on a doorstep in London, Ontario, and uh, the parents welcomed me. Then I got into a guest house and got a job and went from there. And then I got married. Because back in those days, you know, it was the early 60s, 1963, 64, that's what we did in those days. Everybody was uh, getting married at 20, 21, immediately having a family, putting down roots. And it's very different today, but 
if you didn't do that, people look to you and say, what's the matter with you? You know, you don't have a girlfriend, you haven't, you're not married. And by the time I was uh, 22, I had three children. And that sheer responsibility of having to provide caused me to uh, say, okay, what am I going to do about this? I decided to get my accounting degree, but I did go back to university full time. I had to do it after supper every night. And that was a long slog for five years, every night after supper. It was like 26 subjects I had to get through. Anyway, I did it. So that's when I learned, you know, you can achieve things through sheer determination if you set your mind to it. I found I was visioning. I was thinking maybe I've got this and I've got that. And I found that helped to stay positive. So nowhere in there did I ever allow myself to be negative and throw the towel in and say, this is too much. I just plodded on, (laughs) Mm -hmm. got there Mm -hmm. eventually. It sounds like because you were raising a young family, that was kind of a part of the equation that you wanted to provide the best to the family and give them the best as much as possible. And that's what actually our soul wants. Our soul wants to plug along and not stop and not detour. (laughs) But instead, keep focused, as you were saying, and look at this as more of an adventure that it's going to have its ups and downs because the soul will have its ups and downs, too. But at the same time, you don't veer off of the path and you just try to keep moving forward one step at a time, trying to do your best. Yeah, I've always felt driven. I've never been one to take lessons. I've always been self-taught. I taught myself to play the bass. I taught myself to play tennis, to play soccer. I've never had a lesson in my life, even downhill skiing. I do it my way. It works best for me if I do it my way. Mm -hmm. So there's something in your way that you're doing things that it sounds like you have an innate ability to learn through the experience that you go Uh through. Yeah. And that innate ability to learn as you're going through that experience. And then it's like an iterative process. Well, that wasn't yeah. quite right. So I'll do it this way. And then I'll do it this way. And then I'll do it this way. And that allows you to move forward without getting discouraged. And I think that gives me confidence mm-hmm. to say yes, because mm-hmm. I find every time I say yes, it's very exciting. Uh, I'm never disappointed, always uh, wonderfully surprised at how life turns out when you Mm -hmm. say yes Mm -hmm. it's like looking across the room and seeing a door and wondering what's behind that door well you have to cross the room and open that door to see what's beyond you can't guess who knows what's behind but for me I have to cross the room and open the door I have to see what's beyond Hmm. you know that seeing beyond is something that happens with the word that came to my mind is courage It's the courage to be able to say, hmm, I have an interest. And I love the word you used earlier about adventuresome and liking adventures because it allows you to not get into the fear factor that many people can get into. Uh, And fear tends to put a straitjacket on you. Yeah. And I think for me, Judith, leaving home at 19, I had to immediately stand on my own two feet. If things didn't work out in Canada, I couldn't go running home to my mom and dad or anybody. I left all my friends, everybody. So Mm -hmm. I had to mature very quickly. Mm -hmm. And I think that caused me to uh, feel comfortable making big decisions, not being fearful of them. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And when I uh, started taking my course, um, I mean, I became very, very ambitious, very goal-oriented. And uh, every couple of years, I was changing jobs for more money, bigger position. And my goal was, I, I mean, I started with nothing, but I wanted to be a vice president of finance by the time I was 40. And that happened. I did become a, <laughs> a vice president of finance. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. all along this, there was a part of me that was always restless. Mm-hmm. I was always anxious. And they, even though I was successful, I always felt, you know, there's something missing. I, I, I'm not content. I'd like to be more more mm-hmm. satisfied, mm-hmm. more personally mm-hmm. fulfilled. And that is the same thing that happens with our soul. We don't realize that restlessness sometimes is our soul saying, okay, there's something more here. This is not all what life is cracked up to be. It's just not this to achieve, 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 achieve. But it's more learn, grow, have experiences that allow you to be able to kind of use them as stepping stones to strengthen who you are, the trueness of who you are as a person, truly getting into what really is happiness here. Because I did accomplish this particular goal at 40, being a vice president. You achieved that. Um, But at the same time, it still didn't quite hit that inner urge for something more. And that's the key that sometimes happens with people that we think, yes, we want to be successful. We want to achieve. And we think that that's the only way that we're going to be happy. But when we get there, we realize, hmm, this is not quite happy either. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What else do I do here? (laughs) Yeah. So I, you know, I looked at it and I thought, okay, well, maybe if I work for myself. Maybe that's it. That's what's missing. I found an opportunity. I went into business with my son, who was 20, the two of us. And we ran that business for 12 years, and it was very successful. But then again, we worked very, very hard. We did everything that uh, we had to do to be successful. And I was able to sell the company and retire at 57. And I had this nice place out in the country, 50 acres, five ponds, 18 acres of bush and a, the rocky Sogeen River ran through the property. Beautiful, idyllic. But after two years, I was still feeling empty. Is this it? Is this all there is to life? I'm only 59. Is all I'm going to do for the rest of my life is play golf and cut grass? It wasn't sufficient. Now, it might have been for many other retirees. It probably would have been heaven, but it wasn't for me. I needed to make a change again. I needed something different. I didn't want to go back into the corporate world. Didn't want to go back into the city. So I went looking for an adventure and I found it in Canada's Northwest Territories. So I went to live and work in a small hamlet, a little fly-in location on the east arm of Great Slave Lake with 300 Chippewan. These are Indians, North American Indians. Mm -hmm. In Canada, we call them First Nations. Mm -hmm. Just a little community of 300 people. And they were looking for a development, uh, a general manager to manage their development corporations. Diamonds were discovered in 1992 in uh, Canada. So there were diamond mines up there. One of the roles of this general manager was to help the band negotiate some agreements with De Beers. De Beers had two properties on Snap Lake and Kennedy Lake 
These were diamond mines. But before they could proceed, they needed to uh, negotiate these agreements with the Lutsuke Deni Band. And that was one of my jobs, to help the band. So that's what really attracted me up there. It was wonderful. When I went in there, I went in there with the mindset that I'm the seasoned business guy to run these corporations, Monday to Friday. And on the weekend, I'll have fun. I'll go fishing and hunting or whatever. But this community of 300 people, it wasn't like great big subdivisions. They all, it was just one little community. And they acted as a community. There was a community hall. Mm-hmm. It was like one great big 300 people congregation. Very different. In, in Canada here, right, we were so very independent. We go to work, but we just wave to the neighbor. We don't really do anything with the neighbor. You know, we don't socialize with them, really. We have our own friends. But there in uh, Lutzoke, I mean, everybody was related because they believe in this pure bloodline thing. But what I noticed was um, I was changing. I went up there with these best practices, goals and objectives, expectations, none of it, because they weren't... They weren't conditioned by, I mean, I'm a product of Canada, of North America. They're not. They live on a different planet, even though it's still Canada. They live mindfully in the moment, always have. Mm -hmm. And they don't have any goals or expectations. They just live mindfully. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Because I went in there and I found that, uh, like I had a couple of fire crews. We had a fire base up near the airport. So I had 16 people on payroll, and then I had other people that went in to be janitors and cooks at the diamond mines. So I had a payroll, and I would say to them, you know, okay, so we're going to get paid on the 1st and the 15th, okay? Well, the day after, they came to me and said, can we get an advance? It's like, no way. I can't give you an advance. Everybody would want an advance. So I sent them away, and I didn't feel bad. But then next day they came and they said, Johnny really needs some diapers and we have no money. And then another one needed some food. And then it dawned on me. I mean, they've worked. They've earned. We owe them this money. Who am I to say you're not going to get your money for two weeks? I mean, what's that, what's, what's that all about? What gives me the right? That's just an administrative thing to make my job easier. I thought, no, that, that's wrong. That's one of these things from the South that, It doesn't work up here. Mm. So from that point on, and another thing was I had a a visa card, but they didn't. In in Lusoke, there was only one store, the co-op store, nothing else. All you could get there was some food and, man, it was high priced. But sometimes they needed things from Yellowknife, which was an hour flight and uh, about 250 bucks. Got a Yellowknife return. So I started to buy things with my visa for them from Yellowknife, have it shipped in. I just uh, reimbursed myself out of the payroll. No problem. But when I saw how happy it made them, Mm. I realized by sharing what I have, not only my skills and knowledge, but my views of God, (laughs) I can make a difference in their life. And that's that's where I found my fulfillment in working with people, helping people. Because in the corporate world, it was all meetings and spreadsheets and budgets and reports. I really, I had colleagues, but I I really wasn't working with people. 
up, up there I was, and they invited me to their homes. I went checking the trap lines. I went fishing with them. I really became part of their community, and they were so welcoming. And that's what was so fulfilling. Yeah, so, and it's that quality that of caring that blossomed within yeah. you. And those same qualities of caring, compassion, and empathy is that we get more in touch with our soul because those are the qualities of the soul as well. Mm -hmm. And it taps in then to the greater good of wanting to serve and to give back in ways that it does now become more fulfilling. And we're not even aware of the fact is because it taps into the essence of the soul, not only our soul, but the souls of those individuals in which you're giving graciously too, because they also are giving something back. They're giving back to you. It's like a, a figure eight flow of energy flowing back and forth that gets that bond of connection that feels like this is real. I can live in the now. I can be mindfulness in the now and not get distracted by all this other stuff because you were in a community that learned innately how to live presently. But the funny thing, Judith, is how I learned that. I was there for two years and I, and I evolved mm -hmm. without knowing it. Just everything, the cultural difference. And when I went there, my daughter gave me a journal and she said, write in this, dad, because we know it's going to be very different up there. So I did. Initially, I had a sense of obligation because I knew she'd be saying, how's the writing coming, dad? <laughs> I didn't want to disappoint her. But so much was happening and so much was new and exciting. I wrote and I wrote and I wrote in all of these books and notebooks. And after two years, which I felt like I'd been up there a long time, more than two years. Time is a strange concept. I used to stop and try to remember, what did I do before I came to Lutzoke? And even though it was only two years, it seemed like a long, long time ago, because so much had happened. Anyway, I took all of these notes, and I thought, I, I can't just give these to my daughter and say, here, read this. It, it really was unintelligible. So I decided I would put it all into Word, Microsoft Word. So what I did, I went to Costa Rica, to a little town called Coita, on the border of Panama, for a month. I booked into a guest house with my computer, and I typed all of these notes into Microsoft Word. And then I started to go through, delete stuff that didn't go anywhere. A lot of it didn't. It was just a one-off. But there were threads I started to work with it. And that's when I realized how, um, how I had changed from mm -hmm. the beginning. Like when I went in there and people came and said, can you help me? My reaction was, no way. I'm the businessman here. I don't help people. Because I'd never volunteered or done anything in my life. And then after two years, it's like, how can I help you today? <laughs> you know, total change. So I, I, I call this writing Awakening in the Northwest Territories. It was my awakening. It, it sounds like it was also the awakening of your soul. Mm. And because one of the things oh, that the absolutely. soul, the absolutely, soul wants. Absolutely, Judith. Mm -hmm, it wants reflection. When we can have reflection time, that means we're able to see the greater span of what's going on in our worlds. You could see your evolving process taking place. Also, it moves into refining because it's like your uh, reflection and then refining and being aware of that in the, in the writing process that you did. And then it moved into looking at all the rewards. It's like R, R, and R. 
<laughs> um, the rewards that came from that experience, because you did reflect and you did be fine, and now it's moved you into rewarding and re- going to a greater awareness of, hmm, this is what I want more of. But by saying yes, I'm going to go and search for something, no idea what it is. I'm just going to look, and the universe is going to send me what I need. And it sent me to Lutz okay, and I was the right person for the job because it's I I I gave, but I got back. I, I the reward was it changed me, and that just the rest of my life after that. When I left Lutz okay, I was all enthused. What really made me happy was helping other people. Mm-hmm. So I found this opportunity in Dhaka, Bangladesh, working with a small NGO working with the abjectly poor in uh, rural and coastal areas. I was a volunteer there for two years. They were setting up microcredit programs for the villagers because poor people can't get loans. So this microcredit program is a way for them to work together as a community. You get like 20 people together, they all put in 10 cents. So you now you've got $2 and somebody borrows the $2 and does something with it. it mm-hmm. It's fantastic. And it's lifted thousands out of poverty in Bangladesh and, well, Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. It's in that process of transitioning from, it's like you're going from one community, growing and learning from the community that you were in Canada. And then when you bank the dash, it gave you an opportunity to expand your heart even more through the service, through this microcredit process that was going on to help the abject poor. And so it's as if you're continuing to evolve, not only in the outer world, because our soul sometimes knows what we need. Our soul actually knows that, yes, that'd be great we go to that remote area because it gives you a chance to slow down and get new experiences. It actually gave you an opportunity and the sole opportunity just to recalibrate that recalibrate expectation, recalibrate who you are or who you thought you were. And then it starts to transform you like a wonderful diamond. It buffs up the the, the different angles of that diamond or facets of that diamond. And then you take that as aspect and then you go to the next community of, of serving and helping maybe in a different way through the microcredits, but it's evolving you another level of awareness mm-hmm. and also tying into that desire for having some level of adventure, which the right. soul is great. Oh. It loves adventure. Oh, yeah. When I was in Bangladesh for two years, I, I went backpacking in India. I went to the Taj Mahal. Mm-hmm. I went to Varanasi, Sarnath. Yeah, I went up to Cherupunji. So all of this was, uh, as I say, I'm an adventurist. Uh, it's all part of the package of enjoying life. Mm-hmm. Life shouldn't just be uh, like it was all those years in the corporate world. I just went in there and came home exhausted and went back in. And the thing was, I thought that was success. I was there with the rest of my colleagues. That's what we were all doing. We work like dogs. And the whole idea is to retire. And take it easy. We never questioned it. That was the ah, that was the whole purpose. And it was only after I did that I realized no, this this isn't living. This is you know. But the corporate world teaches you that. You see, in our world, our society, it's all about winning. 
without knowing it as children, all the time we're being pushed to win, to be top of the class. We're being pushed into sports. And it's all about winning all the time. Now, when I went to live with the, the Dene, the Lutzoke, they live on a totally different planet. They don't, there's no winning. They just live mindfully, share what they have. They go fishing and they come back and they put some of it in a big freezer in the community for the elders. The elders come and take it. We can learn so much from them. Mm-hmm. And I realized having expectations only made me feel disappointed. Why? Mm-hmm. When I didn't achieve all of the expectations, I focused on what we didn't achieve. So I got rid of that. And I used to go to work and say, okay, you know, whatever we achieve, I'm going to celebrate. And even if uh, Joe didn't do a great job today because he was hungover, he still did his best. So I realized you do your best. You can't always be brilliant and be first, but as long as you do your best, that's all that matters. And when you start to think along those lines, you feel calmer, more um, restful, more satisfied and happier. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And when it came to my mind, you said that you do your best and let go of the rest. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Also, that means you're letting go of the worry. Well, I have another another saying, Judith, and it's you go with the flow, you make it up as you go. (laughs) Exactly. And that creativity and that innovativeness and that uh, adventuresome allows you to be able to kind of make it up and do it well. Because remember, Mm. you said earlier about you learn best by just trying to practice it, be it skiing or be it playing an instrument or what it may be. Mm. That's something that's innate to you. And that's where I think is the preciousness of what you're talking about is, is that you tapped into that at an early age, knowing that you could trust your inner self to work through whatever it needed to work through. And you could have some trust in that and that mm-hmm. process. And that's what the soul is actually wanting us to do is work it through trust. If you didn't do it right, so what? Try it again. Exactly. Try it a different yeah. way. <laughs> Don't be so critical or hard on yourself, but know that, that life is for growing. Life yeah. is for living. And I've always realized that, Judith, that life is a, it's a journey. And uh, it's comprised, it's like a book. It's just comprised of different chapters. Mm-hmm. And when we get old, we can't do the things we did when we we're 25 because the body just isn't the same. So this is the whole thing, mentally, emotionally, physically, as we go through life, we just keep going through different stages. And if we embrace and move on, but a lot of people get stuck and they refuse and they hang in there, refuse to accept reality. But it's beautiful if you accept reality. You just say, okay, well, now I'm on the next stage of my life and the next stage and the next stage. And each stage, every time there's change, you have to compromise. You have to let go of something. Mm -hmm. You can't drag it all with you. (laughs) It's all baggage. So you have to know, just let it go. Move on and grab a hold of the new stuff. It's Mm -hmm. wonderful, exciting. Mm-hmm. But I know a lot of people that are stuck. They just won't let go. They're with the like oh, they don't know this. how to. They don't know Not how to let go. It's just stuff. You know, it's just stuff. Mm-hmm. So that letting go is a process of mentally, emotionally, even sometimes spiritually. There's things that we need to just let go and be open to 
you know, what is the next door, the next window or the next experience that will be open to us if we're trusting ourselves. And so those that are on a spiritual path, consciously or unconsciously or seekers, they you just do it because you have the faith that things will work themselves out. You have the faith that, yes, you get you may get your knee skin. You may not work out the way that you wanted to, but you keep on at it because, you know, you're here to grow and to continue to learn and advance. And that seems like what you've been able to do just very innately in your life. I call it the universe, Judith, for some strange reason, karma, whatever. Mm -hmm. The universe keeps sending me wonderful, wonderful opportunities. Like when I was in Bangladesh. As I say, I, I got a chance to go to India to see the Taj Mahal and all sorts of wonderful things. And then later on, I volunteered in Georgetown, Guyana. I was working with the young leaders of Agricola. These 10 young Afro-Guyanans came from a little community that was very damaged. And they wanted to heal the community because the elders were, they were all just so dysfunctional or whatever. So I, I worked with these 10 young people. It was wonderful. But my assignment ended early. So I stayed on as an accompanying partner to my wife, Candace, who she had a, a volunteer position there with the disability anyway. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, a little opportunity came up to go into the Amazon rainforest. Wow, the universe sent me that. There was four eco lodges down there that had been given computers, but no training. It's weird. Some, somewhere in the world, they came up with this idea. Oh, yeah, we'll give them computers. But there was no training or anything. Microsoft Office was loaded on the computers, but they had no idea how to open or do Word or Excel. So I was sent down there for four weeks. So I, sat, I spent a week at each lodge. But as I was there, all these wonderful opportunities came out. I went up the river to see the giant river otters. And then it was the Caymans at Yupakari. And so you never know. When you say yes, you never know what wonderful opportunities are just around the corner. And they, they always are. Yeah, and that is a nice way. And uh, I think I would like to just have you come back for a part two with this, you know, keeping an open mind and saying yes, is how, how your life ha has evolved into these wonderful opportunities. And maybe, you know, it, we can talk about what we want to do in the next segment, but I would like to continue because there's so much more to how your life has evolved to being where you are currently that has allowed you to be able to be adventuresome, allowed you to be creative, allowed you to serve, allows you to be able to give back. And in every place that you've gone, which is so very nice and very precious to be able to do. And most of all, to be happy. Yes, that's the piece I want to talk about is that happiness component of what's been able to be created. So if there is kind of a word or a statement that you want to leave at this part one segment, what would that be for our seekers? It would be to be fearless, to think about all the what-ifs that never happen, but it stops us from being all that we can be. Our society conditions us to be fearful because it sells products. And without knowing it, we're conditioned. So we, we're fearful of this, fearful of that. And I think about when I was growing up, you know, we, I was seven, eight, nine, ten, we would just leave the house, play all day. My mom and dad had no idea where we were. We just came back at supper time. Well, today, man, you wouldn't, you wouldn't 
do that with your children. We're, we're living in such a fear, fear-ridden society. It's so bad because there's no liberty, there's no freedom. It's, it's sad. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, you can choose to be fearless. Everything I've done, very seldom has there been any bad stuff arise. There really hasn't. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. just proves it's all, it's just uh, mentally fearing. Yeah. yeah, you're so right. And part of that is the kind of the fear base in our society and some of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. But as an adult, as you're saying, we can live a little bit more fearlessly because and with our soul in mind, because it helps our soul to continue to evolve and advance as well. So if they want to reach out to you, Alistair, where can they find you? Well, I have a website and there's a lot on my website. As I say, I'm an author. So my books are there. Excerpts from my books, reviews. The website is www.alistairhenry.com. So it's A-L-A-S-T-A-I-R-H-E-N-R-Y.com. And uh, you can contact me on that website. There's a contact us button there if you have any questions or you would like to ask me anything. I'm always willing to discuss or talk with people. Indeed, you are. You're very much people-oriented. And it's been a delight to have you in this first segment. And I look forward to having you back in our part two. Thank you, Judith. For Seekers, bye for now. Thank you for joining me for this episode on Mastering Life's Adventures, Being Your Best Self Through Soul Evolution. If you have enjoyed what you've heard today, I would be delighted if you would share this episode with others. Leave a thumbs up and subscribe to my Mastering Life's Adventures podcast. Look forward to your joining the next episode. Please leave any comments or suggestions you might have below. Bye for now.